from his studios in New York. It's time for Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets life. Here's your host, Dan Tortora. Welcome here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Always proud to have you in the building listening into the show, so thank you so much for tuning in to the broadcast here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. If you haven't become a member, now's the time to do so on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. It's the time to jump on and become a member. It is free and easy. Down the road we go, so make sure that you join the show and become a member so that you can do two awesome things that only members can do. You can chat with us in the live chat room every time the show is live, and you can also connect with with the show by being emailed every single time the show is live. So members on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT get two awesome things. You can talk with us during the show and give your two cents, give your thoughts on the topic that we're discussing and what's going on and whatnot. And then you can, you'll also get emailed every single time the show goes live, so you'll never miss a live show again. So essentially, as soon as I go live in the studio, you get sent an email. It says, wake up call is live, click to listen. You open your email and you click to listen. That's all you got to do. Simple as pie, easy peasy, as they like to say. As those those kids like to say, I don't know what I'm talking about this morning. <laughs> so easy peasy. I don't know who says easy peasy. Somebody says easy peasy. So, but that's that's how you do it. That's how you get it done. And make sure. So if you haven't become a member, make sure you become a member today. And shout out to everybody that's shown love over the years and and become members of the show. This week we've started a, a few minutes behind each day because <clears throat> trying to get this <clears throat> throat ready, prepared. So, you know, there's been, uh, unfortunately, a lot of unforeseen circumstances going on in my life. And um, that's kind of taken a toll on my body and it's taken a toll on on the good old pipes over here. So I appreciate you all for being patient with me this week. It is uh, not something that will become a habit if, you know, if we start a couple minutes after. So my apologies to you. Uh, Unfortunately, there's some some fun stuff going on in life, and and uh, and I got to take care of of myself and obviously my health so that I can be here with you every single morning. So thank you so much for being on the show and for hanging out with me here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. Let's hop into the morning menu and let you know what's going on here in today's morning menu for Wednesday, October seventeenth. On Wake Up Call with Dan Satora, we're going to start off the first hour of the show hearing from your Syracuse Orange men's basketball team as we continue to preview the season. A lot to discuss and a lot of wonderful people to have on the show. On today's broadcast, you're going to have the opportunity, the blessing, the honor, and the privilege 
to hear from <clears throat> some pretty amazing people in our community, and that is Marek Dolajai, who's in his second season with Syracuse. We also have Pascal Chuku, the senior on Syracuse's team. You'll hear from both of them on today's broadcast in one-on-one conversations with me. You'll also hear my sit-down conversations with assistant coaches of the Syracuse Orange men's basketball team, Alan Griffin and Adrian Autry. And the final conversation that you'll hear coming out of Syracuse Media Day in excitement of the upcoming 2018-19 season, you'll hear from none other than the man, the myth, the legend, the living legend, JB Jim Beheim will be on the show with our one-on-one conversation. A few minutes I got to spend with him during media day as we get set for the season. So, once again, in the first hour of the show, you'll hear from Marek Dolajai, Pascal Chuku, assistant coaches Alan Griffin and Adrian Autry, and we have some fun and have some laughter, as we always do. Dare to be different for all the good reasons. And Jim Beheim will be joining me as well. This is not a piece of his press conference that everybody is at. This is me, after that press conference, standing aside with Jim Beheim, talking with him at the Mellow Center one-on-one and uh, we get to we don't you know he he sometimes is a man of few words but he gave me some time he always does and uh, and and I thank him I thank him for not being a man of few words with me I thank him for giving me some time and I can't tell you how many years he's allowed me to have a little one-on-one time so and and you know he doesn't have to do it, so bless his heart that he does, and I thank him for that. So thank you to JB for taking some time with me, and you'll hear from him this morning, Mr. Jim Bayheim, And then from there, we'll talk in the second hour about the Syracuse Mets, what everybody thinks about this. Now, the Mets officially took over this franchise, this, this Syracuse Chiefs franchise. Now, this was a Yankees franchise then it was a Blue Jays franchise for three decades plus. Then it became a Nationals franchise most recently. And now it's a Mets franchise. And they will be connected with the Mets until at least 2043. Which is nuts to think of. till at least 2043. Which is 25 years from now. And they've decided to change the Chiefs name to the Mets. This is the you know the the Mets franchise owns this team. The Mets franchise you know will oversee this team. So instead of staying the Chiefs or becoming the Salt Potatoes or anything else, it's the Mets. Now, for those of you that don't know how AAA works and whatnot, teams can be named whatever they want to be named. Like the Yankees AAA franchise is in Scranton, Wilkes-Barre, which is where I went to college. I went to college at Marywood University about. Eight minutes from the Scranton Wilkes Bear Stadium, so Scranton Wilkes Bear because it's like right in between, so they 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 share it. The cities share the name. The Scranton Wilkes Bear Yankees became the Scranton Wilkes Bear Rail Riders, and the fans got to choose the name, and they got to choose the logo, and well, they got to choose the logo. Or I don't know if they chose the name, but they got to choose the logo. So, you know, it, it's just. Fans didn't get a choice in this grand scheme of things. You know, it's the Syracuse Mets. So they unveiled their logo. We're going to talk about what you guys think of it. A lot of you have weighed in on it. If you want to weigh in on it, then... You know, if you if you want to weigh in on it, 
then, you know, you can definitely get connected and be a part of it. So, you know, in the second hour of the show, we ask you to go on to mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt and to give your thoughts and your feelings on the Syracuse Mets logo, the jerseys, the name, what you know, just just your overall feel about it. They've been the Chiefs forever and a day. Then they became the Sky Chiefs. Now they are the Mets. And I can see multiple angles of this. So, you know, I can appreciate the positives and the and, and the people that are kind of, you know, not feeling the greatest about it. So we'll talk about it on today's show in the second hour. We will also get to the NBA, the NFL, and the MLB. The NBA is officially back. I can't believe I'm saying that. I cannot believe that I'm sitting here on October 17th saying that the NBA has already played their first two games. It's so weird for me, but the NBA is back. The NFL is seeking to be safer while confusing many of us. And Major League Baseball playoffs are in full swing. We're going to spend probably the last half hour or so talking about the three leagues and what's going on. So plenty to come on today's broadcast. Always great having you here. Make sure you vote in the poll on Twitter right now that's up. What do you think of the Syracuse Chiefs becoming the Syracuse Mets and using the tradition Mets name and logo? Your choices are love it, like it, dislike it, or strongly dislike it. 7% of you like it. 29% of you dislike it, 28% of you strongly dislike it, and 36% of you love it. So 36% of you is leading the thing, but if you take dislike and strongly dislike and you add them together, it's 57%. So, you know, just it's how you look at the poll, I guess. But make sure you vote by going on Twitter at CallDT, C-A-L-L-D-T, and vote now. And tell me what your thoughts are on this new logo and name and using the traditional Mets stuff. Let me know what you're thinking about this. We'll take a step aside, and we will be back in just a moment on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. This is a Wake Up Call Fast Break. This is Jimmer Sikowski, owner-operator of Chick-fil-A Cicero, 7916 Brewerton Road in Cicero, right in front of the Home Depot. I had a deep feeling that God wanted me to do something bigger with my life and to help people, help others. I kept putting Chick-fil-A in my life, and I realized as I was going through the franchise selection process that uh, positively impacting the lives of others was really core to what we do here at Chick-fil-A. First of all, it starts with the food. The food is brought in fresh daily. You know, we bring in local produce. We prepare to order in the kitchen. We hand bread our chicken. We hand spin our milkshakes. It's it's great food. It doesn't taste like fast food. I, I think the second thing is is the way people feel when they come in a Chick Fil A restaurant. It's different. We we try to treat people with intentional kindness here, which is very different and deeper than good customer service. And so, you know, I think it feels remarkable for most people to come in a Chick Fil A restaurant. And then lastly. The impact that we try to have in the community is very different. It's a big part of the expectation of every operator of a Chick-fil-A restaurant is that they're actively engaged in their community, they're a leader in the community, and they're, they're making a difference. When they realize that what we're striving to do is to shine a little light in their life, that's a very, very different experience uh, than you will have in any other quick service restaurant. And it's that remarkable experience that I think people will emotionally connect with.
I'm George Townsend of Honda City with some good advice from buying a new car. The true cost of owning a new car is determined by the appraised value when you trade it. No vehicle appraises higher than a Honda. Next, look for low APRs and deep discounts. You also want low maintenance costs and great fuel economy. That's why my advice to you is to buy a new Honda. Looking pre-owned, visit our Honda Certified Used Car Center. Honda City, 7140 Henry Clay Boulevard, Liverpool, or hondacity-cny.com. For all of us that have always wanted our favorite restaurant to come to us, it's now a reality in Central New York with It's a Utica Thing, with Utica Pizza Company bringing their wonderful recipes that they've handed down through generations to you, to your event, to your business, to your home. It's a Utica Thing, proudly bringing Utica Pizza Company on wheels to your location. Call 315-738-8946. That's 315-738-8946 to bring Utica Pizza Company to your doorstep with It's a Utica Thing. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on wakeupcalldt.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt. Proud to be here with you every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, and I cannot wait until my voice is completely back because it stinks. (laughs) So... You know, I am I am trying with every fiber of my being, folks. Uh, trust me on that. And it's it may it's just ugh. So I could easily be like, I don't sound like myself. I lost my voice. I'm not, you know. But I can't do that. You know, this is this is my living. This is what I love, and I'm here with you. I'm here with you. You know, ups, downs, lefts, rights. I'm here. That's how we do it. So hopefully it will be back. I know it'll be back soon. But for right now. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a little bit scratchy, so that's okay. May, maybe I have a sexy, raspy voice that helps people enjoy their morning. Who knows? <laughs> but, but welcome here to the show, and thank you so much for being a part of it. Let's hop into this first conversation with Syracuse men's basketball of the day. My conversation one-on-one with Marek Dolajai about him becoming stronger this season. It's true, like I feel so much stronger. When I lift, I feel so much stronger, and that's true. Everything was said is true. You ended last season with more confidence out there in your shot and creating offense for yourself. Are you going into this season with that momentum from last year? Do you still feel that? Oh, I don't know if I feel that we still didn't play the game, but yeah, I will continue how I finish the season, and I hope it will be good. Having O'Shea back and, and decide to be here with the team this year, just what that means to you? O'Shea, like, he's a big part of the team. He was a big part last year. He was in top three, and it will be a big year. Having depth on the team this year, the fact that there's not going to be guys that have to play all 40 minutes, just what that means to you? I think it would be so, uh, so much easier to play. We can uh, run faster and we can rotate more, more guys. What can you say about the new guys that have come in, just what you've taken away from them? Uh, they're really nice. Uh, Jalen, really good point guard. Uh, Robert, good shooter. And Elijah, transfer. They, all three guys are really nice. What can you say about having oh, Buddy here too? Oh, Buddy's an excellent shooter and he'll help us. Having depth on this team, Coach Autry said that this is a we team, not a me team. Just what you can say about having that family atmosphere with this team. We are a big family and everybody, no one has a problem with each other. And this is a really big plus for us. We can talk all the time and I think that will help us. 
That coming from Marek Dolajai here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. Marek going into his second season. And for those of you that watched Syracuse basketball last season, which I would like to think that, you know, the overwhelming majority of you have, no matter where you're living, Syracuse basketball was definitely aided by the fact that not only was Marek, as the season went on and progressed, less and less afraid to take shots, to do this, to do that, but he was also just making them. He was making his jump shots. He was attacking the basket. I mean, I'll never forget being in Detroit, watching him play, watching him hit that jump shot, watching him spin off the guy and go at the rim. This man not only made shots, he they desperately needed help from somebody. I don't think people thought it was going to come from Marek. I don't know if Marek thought it was going to come from Marek in the beginning of the season, but darn it if he didn't get better with every passing day. And I know that fans are hoping that he's going to keep rolling on that wave of momentum right up into this season and beyond. Pascal Chuku is next. Pascal Chuku, speaking of guys that people don't suspect, he's over seven feet tall, yet he makes his free throws. You can't hack a shack on Pascal. So he brings another exciting element, just like Marek does, to this team. Here's Pascal and I starting our conversation on the depth of the team, and maybe people don't have to play 40 minutes anymore. Um, I mean, having depth, I think, is really important for us because, you know, we're not going to have um, specific guys playing in a lot of minutes, so we'll be able to push the ball and play as fast as we want. Adrian Autry said that it's a we mentality, not a me mentality with this year's team. Just what you can say about having that, you know, hey, maybe you don't have to play 20 minutes of the first half. Maybe you only have to play 15 or 12. Just how everybody's okay with sharing time. Um, I think that's really important for us because, um, you know, like you said, we don't really have to have one person averaging 40 minutes, uh, 40 minutes a game. Is more of, you know, having guys come in and, you know, impact the game their own way. And, you know, all of us coming together and doing whatever we can to get the W. What do you like about the guys that have come in? Just what you can say about maybe some of the culture from Braswell and Carey and Bayheim and, and the people that have come in. I mean, they're really good players. Um, players. Um, if you have, if you had a chance to be to our, to our practice, you see how each of them, in their own ways, impacting the game. Body is a good shooter, so um, I think all of them are good shooters. But um, Jalen, you know, he shares it, but he's a really good punk. I'm excited to play with him. And then Braswell with his athleticism and you know his playmaking. I think you know we got a really good, um, great group of guys that will really, really impact the game for us this year. You were a seven-footer that can make free throws last year. Are we counting on you at the end of games again? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's something I worked on a line this summer. So, I mean, it always goes off from there. <laughs> yeah, man. Appreciate it. Thank you. That coming from Pascal Chuku. Pascal Chuku. I mean, those free throws, man, you know, it's just, I'm telling you, it's not like Syracuse players that were seven feet plus didn't make free throws. Seven-footers, Typically, here in America, they'll make free throws. I can't speak for over in Europe because seven-footers can take the ball up the field and shoot threes and stuff because it's a different world over the pond. But, you know, here in America, that doesn't happen a lot. I mean, this man is doing some really, really good things, and they can't be overlooked just because, you know, he's not, you know, scoring 20 points a game or whatever, whatever. So I have a lot of respect for 
for Pascal and what Pascal has done, and I don't think it should go understated at all that he can do what he does and and make these free throws. You know, to I mean, seven foot two and he makes free throws. That that to me is just that's nuts. It's absolutely nuts to me that he's doing that because I mean, how long have I been watching basketball and that doesn't happen? You know, overall in the season he was sixty three percent, but in those clutch games and in those in those postseason games and, and in those tight sequences, he was making free throws. There were games where, I mean, the man could go 10 for 11. I mean, he just, that is that is a huge, 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 huge advantage to Syracuse. Because forever and a day that it's existed that you would go to the free throw line, people have been fouling big guys saying they're not going to make them. And I believe that everybody fouled Pascal going, there's no way this guy can make him. Okay, there's no guy, there's no way this guy can make him two games in a row. Oh, there's no way that this guy can can make him in this game because, you know, it's got to run out at some point. He's a big man. I mean, to me, he just I mean, he does what he does. And I respect him for it and I give him a lot of credit for it. And I think it's awesome because it gives that special element to Syracuse, which is just really, really cool. And I appreciate it very much so. And with that being said, to keep on the conversation of Pascal, I have Adrian Autry, our conversation that we had going into this season to preview up this season here for Syracuse Orange Men's Basketball. And Adrian and I start our conversation off, even though he's working with the forwards, you know, that's his room and whatnot. They all know their guys. And, you know, Barama Sidibe, he can function in different parts of this thing. So I felt like it was only right to speak with Adrian, who is the associate head coach and, you know, works in the room with the forwards, to ask him about Barama and Pascal and just what he thinks about these guys and their growth. And we also have some fun with the Jacksonville Jaguars as we continue on. This is what he had to say. Well, you know, it's uh, it's been a good... You know, preseason. Uh, obviously, um, Pascal has really uh, worked on his game. Uh, he's picked up some pounds. He's he's really had a really good preseason up until now. Uh, Barama starting to form into shape. You know, obviously coming off the the injury in the summertime, um, moving better. Uh, so you know, we're excited for those guys. I think we're gonna get a lot more production from those guys this year. I expect a lot more. I just think that they will. Um, but you know, Pascal has really made. Uh, you know, really big, big strides um, uh, so far. What can you say about uh, Barama, you know, with the injury and the surgery and everything that he had to go through? I mean, he's not wearing anything. I mean, he looks like he's, you know, here to play, here to go. I mean, how is the body right now? Well, I think, you know, it's still, you know, once you come off an injury, it takes some time to get, you know, feel like yourself. And I think he's getting through that, uh, you know, as we speak, you know, each day he's he's moving better, he's getting better, he's he's jumping better, uh, he's just doing better, you know, just you know, moving better and playing better. So, you know, we're excited. And, you know, I think you know another week or two, you know, as he keeps going, you know, he'll continue to get better. Bring me into your room with the forwards and just what you could say about some of these guys. I mean, obviously O'Shea Brissett is a big piece coming back, but just what you could say about you know the talent that you have inside of the room this year. You know, I like to start off first with Robert Braswell, the freshman. Um, very talented basketball player um, at his height of 6'8", 6'9", shoots the ball really well, puts the ball on the floor extremely well, uh, good pass, just has a, you know, a really good player, you know, excited to have him. Um, I think, uh, you know, he'll he'll do really good things, you know, going forward in the future. Uh, Marek, you know, he's come back, uh, he's worked hard since the second, you know, second part of the summer. Um, he's gotten stronger, I didn't say 
bigger. I said stronger. <laughs> um, shooting the ball uh, extremely well um, within 15 to 17 feet. You know, uh, still a little inconsistent. You know, from the three-point range, but uh, just you know, just more confident. He's moving better, playing better, being more, more you know, aggressive. Uh, you know, O'Shea, I thought, has really made tremendous strides on his jump shot and his body. He's gotten stronger. He's really shooting the ball extremely well, you know, especially the last, you know, probably week and a half. He's been lights out. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited about the group. It's a lot of competition. These guys help each other. They, you know, they're competitive, uh, you know, so I feel good about them. Is there any coach besides you that's as good at getting overseas talent? I'm finding those diamonds in the rough. I, I, I would, I would, yeah, I would go out to say Gonzaga is really making a big impact with their overseas recruiting. Okay. Um, so, uh, and they've kind of opened my eyes to that as well. So, uh, I got to give credit to Gonzaga. They've done a really good job with, you know, getting guys overseas. But, you know, again, Marek, um, he's really blossomed and he continues to get better. So, you know, I'm sure my email will continually uh, get hit up from people from overseas. <laughs> Are you better than Q at going over? Since, like, I, I talked to him and oh. he's, like, everywhere. Istanbul, I mean. Yeah, yeah. He, he's Mr. Europe. I call him Mr. Europe. He's uh, National Lampoons. He just lives over there. Uh, no no disrespect to him. But, uh, no, he's, you know, obviously their relationships and their connections over there with the assistant coach being from over there. They've really done a tremendous job of, uh, uh, really attacking that, you know, that European market. You know, again, we want to get over there. It's just a little, you know, a little more tougher because the guys that are really, really good, they somehow get swiped up and go pro sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and, and going through that, I mean, uh, Darius Baisley was, was going to be here, ultimately decided to go to the G League, but maybe not the G League. It's kind of a interesting scenario. I don't know if, you, if you've ever experienced something like that before. No, it's my first time experiencing it, but I'm sure um, as we start continually going, it won't be the last time, hopefully, yeah. um, as far as me being involved in coaching. But I think, you know, once they kind of figure this thing out, you probably won't have those. But, I mean, you, you, you know, those things happen, you know, and you got to respect that. You know, uh, he's a talented young man, and, you know, we wish him the, we wish him the best. And lastly, Tyus Battle decides to come back. O'Shea decides to come back. There's more depth on this team from what I see, at least on paper, than has been here in a while. Just the excitement around this year's team, knowing that you got those guys back, and then obviously there's other veterans. I know Frank Howard's fighting to come back and be ready to go as well. You know, it was you know last year, you know, we had some injuries and, and some you know early departures, um, so we we didn't have a lot of depth. But to have a lot of depth and have different options is really is really exciting to have, and, and it helps everybody. You know, and that's how you get better and stay and you know, become a good team. Is you know I always say iron sharpens iron. And, you yeah. know, and they're going against each other every day. Yeah. Um, you know, the greatest thing about these guys is they have a we mentality. Yeah. And uh, you know, so we're just excited. I have a smile on my face because I feel like we can only end this by if we say it together. Blake Bortles. Can we do that? Here we go. All right, ready? One, two, three. Blake, Blake Bortles. Bortles. Can you say that? <laughs> Blake Bortles. That coming once again from Adrian Autry. Say it with me. Blake Bortles. So, you know, they just... They know my connection to the Jaguars, and they were razzing me a little bit. We always have fun with each other, so they always ask me how the team's doing. It just so happened to be one of the worst games of Blake Bortles, maybe the worst game he's ever played for the Jaguars with four interceptions and a fumble responsible for five possessions turned over to the Chiefs in a game that they really needed every single possession because Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs are crazy good on offense. 
So say it with me, Blake Bortles. So, you know, it just, I love you, Adrian. That's all I'm going to say, bro. That's all I'm going to say. Let's take a step aside here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, and we'll come back with my with my extended conversation with Alan Griffin. Alan Griffin coming up in just a few moments. He's heading into his second season with Syracuse, and I can't wait for you to hear what he has to say. Always fun to talk to, and I'm so happy that he's back. He'll be on in just a moment. This is a Wake Up Call Fast Break. is spreading in historic Herald Square about Syracuse's favorite sports and entertainment venue, the Press Room Pub, with lots of room next to 450 parking spots. Wash down their delicious nine-ounce burger for $9.95 with a variety of New York State brewed beers. TVs abound all throughout the location, including their 90-inch monster. Watch your game. Enjoy time with family, friends, as well as bringing the kids to the playroom. The SU alumni party for every away football game is making headlines, as well as Robert Drummond, Syracuse football alum, and Dan Satora's pregame show two hours before kickoff for every home game. Private parties available as well for as many as 300 people. Come circulate at the Press Room Pub, downtown Syracuse, and visit PressRoomPub.com right now for more information. Carvel DeWitt, it's what happy tastes like. Do you know why? Because we make ice cream. Creamy, rich, flavorful ice cream. Not yogurt or ice milk like some of our competitors. Ice cream. Fresh, by hand, daily. For the calorie conscious, we have something new for you. Our new Carvelite. Same great flavor, creaminess, and texture of our regular ice cream with only 35 calories an ounce. So whether you want an ice cream cake, flying saucer, dasher, carvalanche, hard or soft ice cream, we will satisfy your craving with our fresh, handmade, regular, or new Carvelite ice cream. Carvel DeWitt. It's what happy tastes like. Clothing that will change with you without you having to change. DrysigLady.com, D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G, Lady.com. With the bamboo line, relaxed fit clothing, as well as the athletic fit clothing, DrysigLady.com is fit for any woman, any time of the day, anywhere. Whatever you're doing, whatever your day commands of you, Command yourself to feel comfortable in Dreisig Lady Apparel. D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G Lady.com. For all the women out there, feel good in what you're wearing. And don't feel like you have to constantly change throughout the day. Whether you're a stay-at-home mom, a business owner, going for a jog, going for a meeting, or just relaxing at home, DrysigLady.com is the right fit for you. D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G, lady.com. This is Lawrence Papaleo, licensed real estate salesperson for Gilbo Realty. Call our home office at 315-752-9513, or better yet, call or text me directly at 315-748-2524. 
Let me ask you a question, Lawrence. If I needed you to help me buy a house, find the right place, could you help me do that? Joe, I'll help you find your dream home. You don't ever say my name on the radio, never. If I needed to sell a house, could you help me go about that the right way? Yes, yes I can. How do they get a hold of you? Call me directly at 315-748-2524. But you also do the commercial property. So if I got a business, couple businesses, gotta take one here, move it over there, do this, do that. Are you gonna help me buy and sell my commercial property also? Yes, sir. I like that, I like that. What's my name again? I have no idea. Absolutely, but they need to know your name, so give it one more time. This is Lawrence Papaleo, licensed real estate salesperson for Gilbo Realty. My phone number is 315-748-2524. Why don't you tell them your name one more time and that number so we can jot it down. This is Lawrence Papaleo. Call me or text me directly at 315-748-2524. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. want to thank all my great partners that you get to hear during every fast break here on the show. We don't do traditional commercials, this, that, and the other thing. We have some fun. We have fast breaks. We make it all exciting because... It's not about screaming and begging you to buy something. It's about telling you about the people in this community that are good people, that care about you. And yeah, they have businesses and they want you to come in and spend money, but it's with good people that are hardworking, that are on the front lines of their businesses, that are consistently doing whatever they can do to make this community better and build up this community. And that's why they're a part of my team. Because when Central and Upstate New York need some positive voices, I do my best to go out and find them. And thanks thanks to the good Lord, he has helped me find a ton of them. And I feel very privileged and I feel very honored to work with the people that I work with, whether it was one or 16 or whatever it may be. Thank you to each and every single one of you for being a part of what I'm doing and the movement that I am having in my life. I appreciate it. With that being said, speaking of being different and being unique, the conversations with these gentlemen, always unique, always different because it's my twist and it's Wake Up Call with Dan Satora. Alan Griffin is up next speaking on how he doesn't have to worry about being a coach on a team where guys have to play 40 minutes. Now they got some depth. Now they can move some things around. I asked him what he thought about this. Oh, it's unbelievable because, you know, these guys will be fresher when, you know, obviously when it's go time at the end of the game. Um, but uh, the, the guys that, you know, is going to come off the bench and some of the younger guys, um, they can go in and, and, and do whatever we need them to do, whatever coach asks them to do. They can go do it at a high level. From your room, just what you can say about uh, Barama, Sidibe, as well as Pascal Chuku, just what they've done to, to grow and improve going into the season. You know, one is Barama's, you know, getting as healthy as possible. Obviously, last year, just uh, the whole, pretty much the whole year he was playing on, you know, one leg, a half a leg, you know, and, uh, 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 you know, now getting him to 100%, getting himself 100%, you know, working extra in the weight room, uh, it just, you know, is going to benefit his game and, and our team tremendously. And, uh, you know, Pascal is, you know, he came back, you know, stronger and more confident. Uh, and, 
the one thing he did was uh, he dedicated himself to strength and conditioning this summer, and uh, that was one of the things that we talked about at the end of the year is that you just, you got to get stronger, and uh, I, I think he um, has gotten stronger, and you know, which you know, with the strength for, with him, it comes confidence, you know, yeah. especially around the basket in traffic. So, uh, yeah, I think you'll see a different guy in there when it comes to that, and 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 that's a big part of his game. How difficult is it for someone who's seven foot or above to have to, you know, I mean, is conditioning, in your opinion, I mean, is it is it more difficult? Is it harder to put that on and keep on that muscle and whatnot? I mean, just what you can say from, from that perspective, because he seems to move pretty well for a seven footer and some of these guys struggle underneath. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, he's very agile. He's athletic for seven two. Um, you know, from you know, from rim to rim, he could be one of the fastest guys at his size uh, in the country. Uh, but you know, strength and conditioning is everything for him. And um, because you know, when you're around there amongst the trees and you're amongst those big bodies, you got to be able to get the ball up on the basket or go get it off the basket and put it back in. And you you have to be you know strong. You know, you can be wiry strong, and I think that's where he is right now. I think he's at his strongest point since he's been in college right now, and it's showed uh, a difference in his game. These you know these first couple of practices. I asked Pat. Pascal, if we can count on him to make free throws at the end of the game like he had, it might be the best seven-foot free throw shooter that Syracuse has ever had. What do you think about his ability at that charity stripe? Oh, I, I think the sky's the limit at the free throw line. He has a pretty stroke. Um, you know, a lot of it was confidence. Um, you know, the one thing is a true story. Uh, uh, me and Pascal were shooting free throws, and you know, at the beginning, and he took his glasses off and put it in the top of his head, and, and he shot his free throw. And I'm like, that just doesn't make sense because don't you need your glasses to see the rim? Yeah. So I said, why don't you keep the glasses on and see how it works? And I said, from this point forward, you do not take the glasses off to shoot your free throws. You keep them on and you shoot your free throws. And you know what? I, I think it helped them. Yeah. You know, and it helped them towards the, uh, especially make some really big shots for us uh, last year from the free throw line. So um, I, I think Pascal could be 70s and above from the free throw line. Are you taking credit for all of his free throw makes now? No. <laughs> not at all. I'm not I'm not the one out there shooting it in front of fifteen and twenty thousand people, you know. Uh, he works tremendously tremendously hard on his free throws. Um, you know, we make we I make him shoot a hundred. I'll have to practice every day and again he has to make the twenty in a row. That's just been our formula and he's done it. He's never said, nah, coach, not today. He's always stuck to it and you know, obviously he has some success with it, so that's all him, not me. <laughs> when you look at, at the depth getting back to, you know, the fact that you have maybe more depth than this team has seen in a decade, if not more, at every single position, just what that's done, in your opinion, for maybe the psyche of the team, the environment or the culture of the team, knowing that these guys can rely on each other, that they can tap out for two minutes and then come back in, the fact that, that there's something there that wasn't there last year. I think these guys towards the end of the season was exhausted, you know, and, and, and coming into practice, not having to take every rep in practice, uh, knowing that in the game situations that these guys are good enough to spell these guys, you know, each other for three to five minutes. It, it just makes a, a, 
a great working condition, and, and uh, these guys are, uh, are playing together and playing as hard as possible with each other, and it's just it's just a great. This has been really good practices, to be honest. The additions of Jalen Carey, Buddy Bayheim, Robert Braswell, and then Elijah Hughes having the opportunity. Just what you can say about all of it coming together? Oh, it's great. Uh, these guys all work together, talented group, and they all look for one another, and, and that's what's going to help us in, in games when we really need it. That coming from Alan Griffin. Once again, Alan Griffin, assistant coach of the Syracuse Orange and former player of the Syracuse Orange, and not the first time he's been on the staff because he was there as a grad assistant back in the day, and I appreciate everything that he has done and his connection to this team as a player, as a grad assistant, and now as an assistant coach. And, uh, you know, obviously having some fun there, like he said. And, and that's kind of an interesting story that he told me, you know, take take the glasses, you know, just don't take the glasses off when you're shooting free throws. Keep the glasses on. Keep the glasses on when you're shooting free throws and just see if that makes it better. And from here on out, don't take the glasses off. Leave them on when you're shooting your free throws. I thought that that was cool because, you know, the stories like that, you don't know it until you know it. You know what I mean? So now you know it. I didn't know it. And now you do. So, you know, spreading some information and some little things, some some little pieces, some little nuggets that actually help out. So I thank Alan Griffin for that. And to continue with the coaching staff, Jim Bayheim, two sons, one court. Two worlds, one family. Makes me, <laughs> makes me think of Tarzan, right? So Jim Bayheim, two sons, one court. Jimmy's playing for Cornell. Buddy is now on Syracuse. I asked Jim what it's going to be like to coach one son and coach against another son. And this is what he had to say. Yeah, it'll be interesting. It'll be, uh, <laughs> I think that's the best word to describe. It'll be an interesting experience when they both are out there uh, on the same court. But, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Do you find it difficult when you have Buddy out there of maybe not being a little bit harder on him? No, no, I'm not, I'm, I'm fair with everybody. I try to be fair with everybody. I've been doing this a long time, and you know I get on some guys a little bit more than others depending on what the what they're doing. But uh, no, I try to be pretty even-handed with everybody. You have depth on this team at every position. You made it to the Sweet 16 last year with only having five, five and a half with Brahma not being 100%. Just what you can say about having the depth this year. Well, I think that's going to be helpful, but you never know how it might translate. You don't know how exactly the team will really be. You just don't know those things. But uh, we're looking forward to the year. Braswell and, and Carey, just what you can say about those additions as well this year. Well, they're good. You know, uh, Jalen Carey is an explosive point guard. He's got a lot of tools, uh, some good practices. Uh, Robert Braswell is a very good shooter uh, for a late signer. He's a, a very solid player. And then uh, finally from me, Eric Devendorf obviously moved forward, but he got to spend a lot of time with you here. Just what you can say you took away from him as a player and as having you on the staff for a bit. Well, he was a great player for us. He was a tough competitive player as we've ever had here. and uh, He really turned everything around and uh, did a great job here, and I think he'll do a great job. As a, you know, he got a full-time coaching position in Detroit, and uh, I think he'll do great there. That coming from the man, Jim Beheim here on Wake Up Call with Dan Satora. Thank you again to Jim Beheim, Alan Griffin, Adrian Autry, Marek Dolajai, and Pascal Chuku for giving me some time. Also on yesterday's live show, 
I had the opportunity to share with you my one-on-one conversations with Howard Washington Jr., Robert Braswell, Tyus Battle, Buddy Bayheim, and Elijah Hughes. If you ever miss a show or if it's a favorite one of your shows or you just want to hear it back, whatever it may be, all you have to do is go to wakeupcalldt.podbean.com. That's wakeupcalldt.podbean.com, and you can listen to over a 1,000 shows there. After they go live, they go there. You can also go to wakeupcalldt.com and click on the RSS feed, the iTunes podcast, the Podbean podcast, or TuneIn Radio, and those will also bring you to the shows that are live here on MixLR and then go to the archive. So you'll be able to get all those shows this week and tune in to them and, and get a feel for it. So thank you so much to every coach and every player from Syracuse that helped me to preview this. And and to the ones that weren't on, I mean, obviously I, I, I appreciate and respect them all. Couldn't get to everybody in the room. So we got to 10 different people, but, you know, always appreciate my conversations with Jerry McNamara. I look forward to having him on this show and speaking with him, you know, of course, Frank Howard, you know, having him back on the broadcast as well and O'Shea Brissett and and so on and and Barama Sidibe. So it's going to be a great year for Syracuse basketball, I think. 2018-19, I said Sweet 16 again, but my reality is I think, I think this team, if this team, and again, you have to, you have to, like Jim Beheim said, you know, you got depth now, but you never know what that's going to mean, and you don't know how it's going to shake out. Maybe three guys don't translate well. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe one guy has a down year. Two of the new guys can't get it together. So now you don't have all those guys. You have all of them minus three. So, or maybe an injury happens to somebody, and then somebody else has to step up, and it takes two people to make up for the one person that's gone. So I get that. It's the bigger picture. So on paper. I think that this could be a Final Four team. On paper, if this team does everything that they did last year, I shouldn't say on, I should say with the heart, not not just on paper with the, with the heart. What I mean by on paper is they have depth, but the heart of this team, the heart of this team, this team, what they did last year with five and a half guys, they got to the Sweet Sixteen, and like I said, two possessions that they don't give up, they go to the Elite Eight. So over Duke. So in my opinion, when I look at the grand scheme of things this year. I believe that if this team carries the same heart, the same fight, the same determination into this season with depth, with more people, with help, with aid, with the opportunity to take a break, if all signs point to yay, I think this is a Final Four team. I do. I genuinely do. And I thought that three months ago. So, you heard it here. I'm letting you know. I was the crazy person in 2016 that thought that they were they could be the best team in the ACC. I put them in North Carolina at the top, and them in North Carolina were both in the Final Four. I was considered a crazy person, a good person, a homer, a positive voice. I was everything under the bridge, but you know what? At the end of the day, I was right. <laughs> Whatever I was or I wasn't or I was or I was, I was right. I was right. And... It was because that team showed me something special. There was something about Tyler Lydon and something about Trevor Cooney and something about Mike Benajay and something about Malachi Richardson. There was just something about that team that I really, really respected. And everybody wants to critique you for a bold pick, but they don't want to give you credit when your boldness was correct. 
And that's in any walk of life. The bold, the people who take risks are constantly critiqued. Constructively and destructively. But when your risks and your boldness create success in your life, those people aren't going to come congratulate you nine times out of ten. And that's okay. Because you didn't take the risks and you weren't bold for them. You were bold in taking risks for yourself. Because you bet on yourself and you believed that putting all, putting all the chips on you was going to make it happen. And, you know, I don't suggest putting all the chips on anything but yourself and God. I wouldn't say bet on black or bet on red or bet on this or bet on, put everything on this number. I will tell you, though, if you're going to bet on something, bet on yourself. Bet on God. If you're doing good things, the dividends will come. And, and, and with that being said, we're going to take a step aside here and come back for the second hour of the show with a fresh conversation about the Syracuse Mets. And it's the first conversation I can have about the Syracuse Mets because they've never existed until today. Listen into this fast break, and then we'll talk about the Mets in just a moment. This is a wake-up call fast break. Unica Pizza Company spells family. Your family, my family, their family. The recipes that they have shared with each other throughout the years and have now been so gracious to share them with us. I can sit here and talk with you about all the great things that are on the menu. We'd be here forever. So let me say this. Utica Pizza Company is second to none. And now you can bring it home with you and you can dine in in the restaurant. UticaPizzaCompany.com will give you all the information that you need. And let me say, these Utica Greens, they're the best. Utica Pizza Company. Call them and place your order at 315-214-3060. That's 315-214-3060. Families break bread at Utica Pizza Company. Gear up with the real deal at Dreisig Apparel. Creating what people are going to see and learn about you before they even meet you. Gear up for what you need for your team, business, or event. To look professional, look good, and feel good, outfit yourself at DreisigApparel.com. That's D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G Apparel.com. The only place to gear up with the real deal. What's the universal language of a fan? Clapping your hands. With Fan Hands, the ultimate sports fan accessory, find your team color, slip them on, and start cheering on your favorite team with 11 different colors always in stock on FanHands.com, where you'll find the ultimate sports fan accessory. Real fans wear Fan Hands. Get Hilton quality service at the most affordable price at True by Hilton Camillus, located right next to Costco in Township 5. True by Hilton Camillus offers you their signature sport court where you can enjoy basketball, volleyball, pickleball, soccer, lacrosse, and more year-round in their indoor facility. For reservations and information, call 315-314-8676. That's 315-314-8676. True by Hilton Camillus. Hilton quality service at the most affordable price. Oh. 
Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora and WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop. And on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Always proud to have you here in the building and appreciate you being here on the show, wherever you are. I say in the building because, you know, in spirit, you're all here. You're all tuning in. So, you know, to me, it's like having everybody in the studio hanging out for a nice, you know, intimate conversation, you know, a nice conversation in the morning. So thank you so much for tuning in. 15 plus years of doing this thing. And damn it, it feels good all the time. I feel like a kid. I literally feel like I picture myself. I literally feel like a little kid sitting like like trying to sit like high enough in the chair in my studio to be on the mic being like, I love this guys. You know, so I love it, man. I love it. Living your dreams is living your dreams and and uh, there ain't nothing better, man. And nobody should ever stand in the way of you living your dreams, you know? And they will, but you you gotta you gotta keep moving, right? You know, if I had a nickel for everybody who stood in my way for living my dreams, <laughs> I would be a billionaire. So but that's okay because I, I'm here today and I will be a billionaire someday, not because they stood in my way, but because you know, I'm working hard to get to where I need to get to. So I appreciate the love. I appreciate all the kind words and, and all the awesome things that everybody does. Thank you for listening Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern time and for being a part of of not only Wake Up Call with Dan Satora, but also Super Powered Pop with DT and EB. And, and everything else that we do. How You Disney is going to be retooled. And I'm really excited about what How You Disney is going to become. So thank you so much for tuning into that and for being a part of that. I truly appreciate that very, very much. So, you know, we got a lot of great things coming. A lot of awesome things happening. And I can't wait for what that's going to turn into and what that's going to look like. So thank you, thank you, thank you for your support, for your love, your appreciation, all the good stuff. I, I, uh, I'm so... I'm so excited about the future. I really am. And I'm excited about the present. I got some really hard stuff that, that, that I have to face and go through like we all do, right? But I'm alive. And God didn't wake me up today to quit. God didn't wake me up today to run. And God didn't wake me up today to fail and stop trying. So I'm here. You're here. Let's have some fun. And in the second hour of this broadcast, it is now time for us to discuss this Syracuse Mets decision. Now, the Syracuse Chiefs have been the Syracuse Chiefs for a very long time. When I grew up, the Syracuse Chiefs were the one-dimensional logo, kind of like when, you know, Mario... Super like the first Super Mario where it was just one dimension and it was like, you know, it was like Paper Mario, so to speak. So it was that one dimensional outline. It was a it was a white logo of the chief with inside of a blue circle. And the white logo was just an outline of a chief. Of a Native American chief. So that changed over time to become the Sky Chiefs almost like the Chiefs that have passed on and they're always above us. And it became a screaming bat that looked like a plane that was angry. So it was a bat that had a face that looked like a plane that looked angry. And I never really liked that because it looked stupid. And in my opinion, I just I just thought it was... It just, I mean, it, it, 
It looked like a children's drawing. Not that I don't like children's drawings. I'm just saying it didn't look professional. And I, and I, I just wasn't a fan. I wasn't a fan of it. So, you know, that entire era, it kind of lost me. And, you know, and then the team, you know, decided to part ways with the Blue Jays and, you know, or, you know, and, and all this stuff happened. They became the Chiefs again. And when they became the Chiefs again, they, you know, the name didn't make sense with the logo by any stretch of the imagination. You know, they became the Chiefs, but the Chiefs had a train coming out of it because the, the train station is, is right next to where they play. So, I mean, you know, when you go back and you look at the logos, you know, 1961, it was a reddish-orange picture of a chief, of a Native American. In, in, in 1970, it was an S that was written very, you know, differently, kind of like special and unique. And they kind of went back to that a little bit in the present. In 1978, it was another picture of a Native American chief that had a white face and, you know, a red headdress and whatnot. In 1987, that's the one that I know. It's it's the blue and white and sky blue to match the Toronto Blue Jays one-dimensional picture of a chief. And then in 1997, they became the screaming bat with the sky chiefs. And it's, you know, and I probably, you know, it's not that I thought that the Sky Chiefs name was stupid. It's not that I didn't think that that was catchy or, or that I would wear stuff with that on. It's it's the screaming bat to me. It just looked like it looked like it just looked lazy. And then in 2007, they became the Syracuse Chiefs again and they unveiled this new just writing out of the word Chiefs instead of being a, a picture. They wrote out the word Chiefs and they put Syracuse really small above it and they had a train coming out of the sea, like coming out of the station, and it had the light blue and dark blue and white hues. Uh, you know, it had that Blue Jays feel. And then in 2016, when they connected with the Washington Nationals, they eventually changed it to have that red kind of, you know, background essence so that they would have a connection to their their home base team. So, you know, throughout history, but this is the crazy thing about it. So when I give you that timeline, they had the logo in 61, it changed nine years later, then eight years later, then nine years later, then 10 years later, then 10 years later, then nine years later. So every nine, 10 years, they changed the logo. You know, there hasn't been a lot of consistency. Now, you can argue that they didn't necessarily change the logo this past time because this past time, you know, the, the Chiefs didn't change the logo. They just changed the color of the logo, essentially. So, I mean, you can argue that they didn't change it, change it. They just had to change the, 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 the sky blue to red because they weren't with the Blue Jays anymore. They were the farm team of the Washington Nationals. So, you know... So now we have the Mets <clears throat> and the, and the, and the thought is, you know, I mean, when, when they were the chiefs or the sky chiefs, you know, like it, dislike, cause the thing is I never, 
I never, you know, I don't hate anything, but I never was like, oh my God, this is so terrible. Oh my God. You know, I thought they could have done better with the Sky Chiefs with the screaming bat. I didn't think it made any sense. I didn't think a screaming bat that looks like an airplane didn't make any sense. But, and the train never made it. I thought the train was cool coming out of the station, but the train never made any sense to me either because it's like, why would you have a train if you're the Chiefs? Why don't you become the Syracuse Railways or the Syracuse Conductors or something like, you know what I mean? Like, you got to fit the bill. I can't be like, this is Wake Up Call with Dan Satora, and instead of the C and call being a phone, it was a, it was a porcupine. You know what I mean? It just, it doesn't make any sense. So, you know, I was always for, yeah, change, you know, if you're going to change it up, but it was, it was, it's almost like they've never found the thing that just really fit. And the Syracuse salt potatoes thing was insane because it sold out. You know, it's like the, the hats are at lids still to this day. And my dad, who had not been out to a game in forever, He went out to the stadium and he was like, hey, he's like, for just a couple days this week, they're going to be doing like hats and shirts and stuff. Do you want a hat or a shirt? Like my dad used to take me to games as a kid all the time. And he was so excited to go out and buy the salt potato stuff. And then they started carrying it in stores and everybody loved it. It was a great publicity stunt, but that's all it was. You know what I mean? Like the Syracuse salt potatoes with that playful logo it just worked because it talked about us, the salt city, salt potatoes, because people don't know in the south what the hell a salt potato is. They think of potatoes and then you pour and you put salt on them. They don't know that they're salt potatoes. So, you know, it was unique to us, the salt city, the logo. And to be honest with you, that's the last hat that I that I got was the one that my dad bought me. And, and, and I, I love that hat. Because I just think it's cool and it's different and it's a conversation piece. You wear that hat and people want to know about it. And, you know, and if you're the Syracuse salt potatoes, then you get a company that serves really great salt potatoes and you do specials there. And then you could do like a special drink and a special pizza. Like there were so many. If I was on the entertainment and promotional staff for for the Syracuse Chiefs and they took my idea of being the Syracuse salt potatoes. And I'm speaking hypothetically. I'm not saying that this was my idea because it wasn't, but it was genius. So let's go back in time and say it was my idea to be the Syracuse salt potatoes. I designed the logo. I have so many ideas about how we could make that successful and make that awesome and make that great. And I feel like people would have really come out to the games. I think my mom would have liked it. You know, I think people that, that, wouldn't go to the games, would go to the games. And now the issue that they're facing is that there's no identity for this team. They're the Syracuse Mets. So there's no identity because they're the Mets. And that's hard for some people. I mean, there's a lot of things with this. That, you know, when they were the Syracuse Chiefs and and their farm, they were the farm team of the Blue Jays and they switched to the Nationals, they didn't have to change their name. And, you know, with, with, with being the Syracuse Mets, there's no identity. 
There's nothing connecting it to Syracuse. And you can't say, well, the orange and blue does it because the Mets are orange and blue. And then having the Mets logo be exactly the same as the New York Mets, there's there's no there's no tradition that we're building here. There's no uniqueness. There's no identity. It's just, hey, the Mets have a team in Syracuse. If they ever decide to move it, then they'll become the the Ottawa Mets or the, you know, Las Vegas Mets or the Elmira Mets. It's it's just, it, 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 they could take it anywhere. The Syracuse Salt Potatoes was original. It was unique. It was special. And it obviously sold tickets and it sold merchandise. So why would you take something that works and change it? But again, this is a different scenario. The Mets now own this. You know, this this team used to be owned locally, and then it was owned locally, and now it's owned by the Mets. The Mets can do whatever the hell they want to. If you don't like it, it doesn't matter. And in all honesty, they don't have to care because they own this team. And if they don't want to feel any type of connection to Syracuse, they don't have to. So I always thought the Mets should be the the host team, the parent team of the Syracuse triple a baseball team because they're orange and blue and it was literally like the easiest it was like you could stumble like you could be the biggest moron in the world and stumble into this thing it just made sense it doesn't make sense to be with the washington nationals it made some sense to be with the toronto blue jays but when you have an orange and blue team sitting out there in the state of new york and you're in the state of new york and the Mets are everywhere but Syracuse. That made absolutely no sense. It made absolutely and for Binghamton to be the Mets, you know, for them to be part of the Mets franchise and farm system, it's like the farm system of the Mets should only be in the state of New York. So, you know, whether that's the Albany Mets or the Syracuse Mets, you know what I mean? So it made perfect sense for this city to have a parent team who shares the same colors because because the majority of people in Syracuse wear orange. The majority of people in Syracuse embrace the culture. The majority of people in Syracuse, when they see orange and blue, get excited. They get a smile on their face. It creates happy. It's nostalgic. It's good. But being called the Mets has affected some people because some people hate the Mets. Some people are Yankee fans. There are a lot of Yankee fans, and I would venture to say in Central New York, and I haven't taken the poll. I have not taken the poll. So I'm just I'm just speaking from a thought, a hypothesis. I think that there's an overwhelming amount of Yankees fans that would drown out Mets fans in Central New York. I do. <clears throat> there's Yankees fans everywhere. And not that there's not Mets fans everywhere, but Mets fans get really, really excited at the beginning of the season. They get really, really hopeful, and then they're like, screw it, I know we're going to lose. They get really, really excited, really, really happy, and then they're like, what are we doing? Why are we doing this? Why is this happening? Oh, my God, why again? Why, why, why? Why is this happening? Happy, happy, happy. What the hell's going on? That's what happens to Mets fans every year. Okay, maybe this year. Oh, we're getting better. Oh, we look good. Oh, hey, we're winning. I don't want to get too excited. I don't want to jinx myself. 
Oh my God, we're losing. Oh, now we're the Mets again. I mean, that's it happens every year. Like a friggin' cycle for the most part. And, you know, so, so you know, there's Mets fans that are upset. And there's Yankees fans that are not going to cheer on the Mets. So, and, and the thing is, once you call yourself the name, like you can have a parent, like, I don't think people cared that the Blue Jays were a parent team. I think I think there were people that went to the games that didn't even know the Blue Jays were the parent team of the Chiefs, even though they were the parent team of the Chiefs for over 30 years. I don't even think people, certain people even knew about it. I don't think people knew when they switched to the Nationals because some people just go to the games with their families. They don't ask questions. They just go to watch baseball, to get out of the house because it's a nice night in Syracuse because they want to watch the fireworks because they want to get a dollar hot dog, whatever it may be. They want to go to the game. But when you call yourself the Mets, now you have taken, you know what I mean? Like, I know that for for fans, it might be hard for you, like people that pay attention to sports every day. You're like, Dan, I mean, like they were going to be a part of the Mets, whether they call themselves the Mets or not. Right. But people go to the games that don't know that. Or a Yankee fan can be like, whatever, I'm going to go support Syracuse. But in this case, that they're called the Mets, it's going to turn some people off. And it's already started to turn some people off. And I've taken your thoughts, and I'm going to share those in just a moment. So the New York Mets in history, okay, they won the World Series in 1986 when I was about to turn one. Because I was born in October of 1985. So I was, oh no, or what, no, I think I was about to turn one. I don't think I was one yet. Right around there. So they won the World Series back then. 1987, they went 92 and 70. 1988, they went 100-60 and lost in the NL Championship Series. In 1989, they were a winning team. 1990, they were a winning team. 1991, they were 77 and 84. 1992, they were 72 and 90. 1993, they were 59 and 103. 1994, in a shortened year, they were 55 and 58. 1995, they were 69 and 75. 1996, they were 71 and 91. 1997, they were 88 and 74. So they got back on the winning side of things back then. So you got to go back and you got to look at this. From 1991 to 1996, in all of those seasons, they had losing seasons. And the worst being 1993, 59 and 103. Then in 97 and 98, they had the same record, 88 and 74. In 1999, they lost in the NL Championship Series. They were 97 and 66. In 2000, they lost in the World Series in the Subway Series to the Yankees, which was like the greatest thing in the world that I forgot about because the Mets haven't done a lot in recent history. So I totally forgot about their World Series in 2000. In 2001, they were barely over 500 at 82 and 80. 2002, 75 and 86. 2003, 66 and 95. 2004, 71 and 91. 2005, they got back on the winning side of things, 83 and 79. 2006, 97 and 65, lost in the NL Championship Series again. 2007, 2008, they had winning records. 2009, 70 and 92. 2010, 79 and 83. 2011, 77 and 85. 2012, 74 and 88. 2013, 74 and 88. 2014, 79 and 83. And then 2015, they lost the World Series. 2016, they lost in the wild card round. 
And then 2017, they were 70 and 92. 2018, 77 85. So they actually not only followed the same pattern, but they followed the same records. You know, they went 88 and 74 in back-to-back years, and then went 74 and 88 in back-to-back years. They went 77 and 85 or 77 and 84 more than once. So it's, it's, it's so funny how the Mets, like they went 77 and 85 this year, and they went 77 and 85 in 2011. So, you know, to me, it's just, it's funny how they have this pattern. So they have this pattern of winning a couple seasons, but not going to the playoffs, then having a ton of losing records, then getting back to winning and getting better, 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 going to the championship series, maybe the world series, then getting worse, then getting back to the championship series, then doing okay, then doing bad, bad, then, you know, being under 500 over and over and over and over and over again, then getting back to the World Series, back to the playoffs, and then losing again. So it's it's the consistency of their pattern, but not the consistency of being consistently good or consistently in the playoffs. And, you know, the Mets haven't had a terrible history. They made the World Series three times since 1986, you know, but we're talking about 1986 to 2000 is 14 years. And then 2008, so that's in 32 years, they've made the world series three times. Some teams never make it. Some teams, it takes a hundred years for them to make it. So, you know, I think, I think, you know, historically the Mets are a little bit better than people give them credit for, but the inconsistency is what's frustrating and the fact that this team can lose in the World Series in 2015 and then lose in the wild card 2016 and not make the playoffs for the next two years. And they didn't make the playoffs and didn't like they did not have a winning record from 2009 to 2014. Then they lost in the World Series. Then they lost in the wild card. And then they went back to losing again. So, you know, there's frustration with that. So Mets fans get frustrated. So that's a part of this thing. Then people who are not Mets fans not liking the name, that's a part of it. Then the fact that it has no connection to Syracuse besides the orange and blue, that's a problem with that. There's no unique name. The fans aren't involved in the naming or the logo or the mascot. That's another part of it. The fact that the jerseys look just like the Mets jerseys, that's a part. I mean, it's just like having the Mets come to visit Syracuse, essentially. I think the salt potatoes, the more and more I think about it, it would have been the most perfect thing. It would have been the most perfect thing. It really would have. And it's time for me to read your comments. Shane said, A, was really hoping for salt potatoes. Big ups to you, Shane. I agree. B, uniforms are so boring, but I like the away hat. I can understand both points. And I, too, was for the salt potatoes. Definitely. Absolutely. So thank you to Shane for his comments here on social media. I want to get to the rest of your comments as well. There's a lot of people that weighed in on this thing. So let me let me hop into what you had to say here on Wake Up Call with Dan Satora. It's 1021 right now. Shout out. My birthday's this weekend. Yay. So, so excited. So, so excited. So big shout outs. So your comments are here. And I want to read all of the comments that you had to say about this. So let me get into that right now. 
my buddy Joey, who's opening up the home team pub, he said it will go along nicely because he has orange and blue in his logo. Glenn said, I like it. Hopefully they run it better than the team in the Big Apple. To my point, what I just said. Dan, Dan L. said, I like it, Dan. Being a Mets fan, I'll go to games when I can. So for Mets fans, it's good. For Yankees fans, it's not. Pete said, the logo is poorly done, in my opinion. Simply putting the name over the state. No creativity at all in coming up with a cool design logo. I can understand that. Ross, uh, my good buddy, who is a writer in Northeast Pennsylvania, one of my best friends, I consider him a brother. Ross is a huge baseball fan. He said, I like that they're moving the Mets AAA team to New York to go along with AA Binghamton, which is already there. Plus, I'm happy they have the Mets big league colors and team name. So he likes it. Paul said, I think it's bad marketing. A lot of people won't wear Mets gear, myself included, being a Yankees fan, to the point I was talking about earlier. Could have kept the name and changed the colors. Syracuse already has a love for orange and blue. Uh, LJ said, LJ Lawrence Papaleo, the one that works with me, that is the realtor that you hear the commercial with the with the Joe, you know, uh, you sound alike, so to speak. Uh, Lawrence said, Sky Chiefs are nobody. He said, uh, the world needs to know this. I'm not fooling around. The Mets can pound salt here in the Salt City. Syracuse wants the Sky Chiefs back. Uh, Ross said, hopefully Tim Tebow will be playing in for the Syracuse AAA Mets this year before they might call him up to the big leagues. That's, you know, that's a good publicity stunt, definitely. Uh, GI said, I'm from Syracuse in Italy, but I live in New York City, and I have a soft spot for Syracuse, New York, because it's the name of my hometown, but I'm unfortunately a Yankees fan. I can't root for future Mets. So that's a guy from Syracuse, Italy. Okay, how cool is that that we got that response? We got a guy from Syracuse in Italy, which is which is in the Sicily area. A guy from Syracuse who lives in New York City said, "I have a soft spot for Syracuse because it's the name of my home in Italy." But I'm a but I'm a Yankees fan. I can't cheer for the Mets. Carl said, "What are your thoughts?" And I and I obviously shared my thoughts here on the show today. And Jordan said, "Isn't this the reason the Orange don't have a baseball team?" Well, that's what I heard, anyways. And I don't know exactly what he meant by that. You know, if if he was seeing like maybe the negative comments saying, well, you know, this is why they don't have that, you know, because people are because people would be too hard on the program. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I'm not entirely sure of why he said it, but that's why he said it. So. Ultimately. You all seem to have wanted something else. And I can understand that. And I can respect that. And I can appreciate that. Because I don't think that you're wrong. And again, the hands could be tied. You know, the Mets taking over this franchise means that nobody in Syracuse maybe had a leg to stand on. You know, they could say whatever they want to say, but this is the Mets. And this is the Mets' decision. So it's like, sorry, not sorry, but, you know, they can't, they can't change it. And some of you like it and some of you don't. I mean, it's Syracuse written in like an old baseball style and it's just in an arch over the Mets. I would have loved if at least they put the dot where like an orange dot on the blue New York State where Syracuse is located. I would like it if I just 
I would like it. I, I just... It looks like cut and paste. Syracuse Mets, Binghamton Mets, Auburn Mets, Poughkeepsie Mets, Albany Mets, Waterloo Mets, Watertown Mets, Otsego Mets, Oswego Mets. It just looks like something that you could write anywhere, and it's interchangeable. It doesn't look unique. It doesn't look like it's for us. It doesn't look like it's it's here. But everybody says, but Dan, it's the orange and blue. Right. I, and, and, and that's why I wanted the Mets to be the parent franchise of Syracuse. But that didn't mean that I wanted Syracuse to have no identity. I wanted the colors. I wanted the team that shares the colors that the city loves the most because it's it was so it was it made so much sense that it seemed crazy to me that it wasn't done already. On top of all of that, I still wanted them to have their identity. Their identity is the Mets. We are the Mets farm team. Mets, 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 Mets. And that I don't like. I like the colors. I like the parent team because of the colors and because they're in the state of New York and that we don't have a team that's 500 miles away or a thousand miles or in a different state. Like you shouldn't be in Syracuse having being a farm team for the Arizona Diamondbacks or the Tampa Bay Rays, or the Minnesota Twins. Like, you should be a farm team for the teams. Like, if you're in a state that doesn't have a baseball team, then yeah, roll the dice, you know, spin the wheel. But if you're in a state that has not alone one team, but multiple teams, you should, because, the you know, it's like you could have fans everywhere, but the reality of it all is the majority of your fans are probably in that area. So if you are a Mets or a Yankees franchise within two, three, four hours or a 40-minute flight from that franchise in the same state, the chance that there's a lot of fans in that state that like the Yankees or the Mets in New York is high. Even Scranton-Wilkes-Barre, it's a three-hour bus ride to New York City. So even though it's in Pennsylvania, there's a lot of Yankee fans, and there are people that live in Scranton that commute to New York City. So it makes sense. So the Mets always made sense here. The Yankees would have made sense here. What doesn't make sense, the colors make sense for the Mets here. What doesn't make sense, the the colors make more sense than the Yankees' colors do. What doesn't make sense in Syracuse is that we don't have a name. We don't have an identity. We don't have a logo. We don't have a mascot. It's the Mets. And that's what I think people have the biggest problem with, and it's what I have the biggest problem with. And I just would like there to be the salt potatoes or something that that something that people can feel like it's their own. I feel like we're just renting a logo at the moment. That's the hard part of things. Let's take a step aside. We'll come back. We're going to talk about the baseball playoffs, the NBA coming back, and the NFL's crazy rules in just a moment. This is a wake-up call. Fast break. Get Hilton quality service at the most affordable price at True by Hilton Camillus, located right next to Costco in Township 5. True by Hilton Camillus offers you their signature Top It breakfast bar with over 30 different toppings to personalize the most important meal of the day, all complimentary with your stay. For reservations and information, call 315-314-8676. That's 315-314-8676. True by Hilton Camillus. Hilton quality service at the most affordable price.
Having peace of mind when you're out of town that your furry loving friend is safe and sound means taking them to canine campground because we all know that when it comes to the love of our pets, it goes well beyond the call of duty to make sure they're safe and sound. Right, Lily? So take a ride to 242 Johnson Street in East Syracuse, New York, and see Canine Campground and where your dog will be staying in the classic cabin, the executive cabin, the grand cabin, or of course, the luxury cabin, because if you know Lily, you know she loves luxury. Now you don't have to wait to the last minute to find a family member or a friend that'll take your dog for a few days. Call Canine Campground at 315-299-4013. That's 315-299-4013. Their drop-off and pickup times are Monday through Sunday. Check K9Campground.com for more information. That's the letter K, the number 9, and campground spelled with a K, dot com. K9Campground.com. When you're going out of town, bring your dog to Canine Campground. Consistency is, well, consistently hard to find. Unless you head to 119 East 2nd Street in East Syracuse, New York, the home of the Penn and Trophy Center, who has been serving us Central and Upstate New Yorkers, as well as beyond, for decades. The Penn and Trophy Center on 119 East 2nd Street in East Syracuse, New York, gives you an amazing and unique way to customize a memory today. Say it with the Penn and Trophy Center. Be it an Employee of the Month award, a sports award, something for your business, engraving for your family, your loved ones, anniversaries, birthday parties, and so much more, including remembering somebody who served in the military. Say it with the Penn and Trophy Center. 119 East 2nd Street in East Syracuse, New York. The definition of consistency is Penn and Trophy. Browse their products on penandtrophy.com. That's penandtrophy.com. And call them for more information at 315-422-8797. That's 315-422-8797. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is located on 3680 Milton Avenue, in the Home Depot Plaza. It is your family-friendly sports bar and restaurant. Folks, some sports bars aren't family-friendly. Some family-friendly restaurants are not sports bars. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is proud to be both. It is that marriage that you've been looking for for years. The Wildcat Sports Pub is your home base for your sports bar and restaurant needs, games for the kids, indoor and outdoor activities, and enough things on the menu to come back every single week and get to try something new. They're open Sundays from noon to 8 p.m., Monday through Wednesday, 11 a.m. to 11 p.m., and Thursday through Saturday from 11 a.m. to midnight. For reservations and party information, call 315-487-2222 for the Wildcat family-friendly sports pub and restaurant. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Always having fun with you every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. We're just talking about the Mets and the logo and giving all your thoughts. A lot of people just expected better, expected something different, expected 
some type of connection to the city. And I just wanted more. And uh, Joe said, going to take some getting used to, but excited for the upcoming season like the orange and blue. Uh, Tim said, oh, look, more orange, number one. Number two was hoping for something creative to spur merchandise sales, which I, I think the most creative thing that the Syracuse Chiefs franchise has done since I was born in 1985 was become the Salt Potatoes. And you're right next to the friggin' farmer's market. Like, it it sells itself. It friggin' sells itself. It makes no sense. I mean, you could put all the hats, like, as soon as you got, like, with everything they're doing at the airport, at the Syracuse Hancock International Airport, everything that they're doing there, could you imagine getting off the plane and all these people that are visiting Syracuse for the first time, you get off the plane and right outside of security as you walk through, there's there's a table with all these hats and all these shirts and jerseys of the Syracuse salt potatoes and people automatically see the logo and automatically are like, what's that about? And automatically start asking questions about Syracuse and it's a conversation piece. They see that. They go, wow, that's interesting. What is that? It's the salt potatoes. Why is it the salt potato? Because we're the salt city and we have salt potatoes. And what are those? And it's like you could, somebody could land in Syracuse and find out something special about us within the first five minutes of being there just by being the Syracuse salt potatoes and putting hats and jerseys at the airport and at the bus station and the train station. To me, it's just, it's, it's freaking common sense, man. But again, the Mets own the franchise. So this could have been something like, hey, if we're going to pay for this thing, we're going to call it the Mets and we really don't care what you think. So, you know, behind closed doors, this, this could have been a non-fight. Uh, we're going to do what we want to do. And that's that. See you later. Bye. So, I mean, it, it is. It's 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 really, really tough. It's really, really tough. But, you know, I just... If you want to put butts in the seats, I, I think... I just... I don't think that these things are doing that right now. By any stretch of the imagination. I just don't. So, with that being said... We're going to continue the baseball conversation here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash DT. Major League Baseball in full swing, pun 100% intended. The Red Sox defeated the Astros most recently here, and the Dodgers took down the Brewers in the ALCS, the American League Championship Series. Boston leads 2-1 to one in the NLCS, the National League Championship Series. It's tied 2-2. Two to two. The Milwaukee Brewers had to play that extra game, that 163rd game, to decide who won their division and whatnot. And they end up winning that, so they don't have to play in the wild card game. So they get a series, and then they move forward all the way to where they are, fighting like crazy. But the Dodgers are not giving up hope. The old Brooklyn, I wish they were in Brooklyn. But, because it's so cool. And I I keep seeing people wear Brooklyn hats, which I think is really awesome. But the Brooklyn Dodgers, now the LA Dodgers, they moved forward and tied this series. So we got a series tied up 2-2 in the NLCS and Boston leading the Astros 2-1 
And the thing is about Boston is like, you know, Boston's relevant, but they've kind of like gone out of the limelight in the last couple of years a little bit. You know what I mean? It's it, it's it's been more about other teams and now the Astros got to figure out a way to come back in this thing. You know, find a way to win it. They won their first game 7 to 2 in Boston and then lost their next game in Boston 7 to 5 and then lost at home 8 to 2. You can't give up games at home. They got they stole one from Boston. That's great. You steal one from Boston, big ups to you, but you got to win at home. You got to win at home if you're Houston. Houston went from the worst team on in one league to switching leagues to even everything out and winning a World Series. I mean, Houston is a tremendous story, but they're playing up against a really, really, really tough Boston Red Sox team. Now they face the Indians in the divisional round, and they beat the Indians three games to none. And in in this in this now they're on the other side of things, trying to figure it out. And the Boston Red Sox are handling their business now. The Astros went one hundred three and fifty nine this season, and the Red Sox went one hundred eight and fifty four. So you got two good teams here. You got to think about it like this: the Red Sox won over a hundred games in the regular season. The Astros won over a hundred games in the regular season, and they're both in the AL. In the NL, neither team that is in the final two in the NL won 100 games in the regular season. The Brewers went 96 and 67 because they had to play that extra game, and the Dodgers went 92 and 71. So, and that also has that also has them with that with their extra game as well. So you got two teams that played 163 games and won 90 some out of them. Then you got the Red Sox and the Astros that won between them 211 games in the regular season. So this is going to be exciting. It's going to be fun. I'm excited to see what's going to happen. Tonight, October 17th at 5.05 p.m. Eastern time, the Brewers will be in Los Angeles facing the Dodgers with the series tied 2-2. And at 8.39 p.m. Eastern time, the Red Sox will be in Houston, Texas, facing the Astros, leading 2-1. And as far as everything goes and where you can watch these games. You can watch the Brewers and the Dodgers on Fox Sports 1. You can watch the Red Sox and the Astros on TBS. So make sure you're paying attention to those games. The next thing that I want to talk about is that the NBA is back. Somehow, someway, the NBA came back yesterday. Am I the only one that's not like completely confused by that? I, like, I'm not ready for it. You know what I mean? It's like, I don't know if that is the It's just weird. It's very weird. I feel like everything's I feel like every year basketball starts earlier. Even for Syracuse. Syracuse's two exhibition games used to be at the beginning of November, like November 1st and November 8th. Their exhibition games are in October. They're going to play their first basketball game in the Carrier Dome for Syracuse basketball in just a few days. Like to me that's nuts. To me, that's crazy. I'm like, what? I'm still in football season, you know, because I, I know this is where they cross, but they're playing their first game on Thursday, October 25th. They're going to play both of their exhibition games in October, and then they immediately go into the 2K Classic at home for two games, and then they go to Madison Square Garden. So to me, I mean, this is this is 
It's it's like basketball just keeps creeping earlier and earlier and earlier. Because usually I'm like, oh, October 31st is when the NBA starts. You know, the NBA starts after my birthday. It starts after October 21st, right around Halloween, a couple days before Halloween. No. And I'm like, oh, Syracuse basketball starts their exhibitions at the beginning of November, November 1st, November 2nd, November 3rd. Nope. October 25th. It just, I mean, to me, it just, it keeps getting earlier and earlier and earlier and earlier. But then the season ends later. Because last season, Syracuse is done by March 3rd or 4th. This season, they're done on March 9th. So there's just, you know, some changes. So the season starts earlier and ends later, which for every fan everywhere is like, hell yes, baby. A longer season. And that's before we even start. This is before we even start the bracket. And that's why I don't like when people are like, oh, you can't you can't extend the college football playoff to include more teams because it'll affect it'll affect the student athletes' ability to go to school. What do you think these student athletes are doing for basketball? They're playing basketball from the fall semester to the spring semester. They're playing basketball. The fall semester starts in September. They're playing basketball from October all the way through the end of the fall semester. And then the spring semester starts in January, and they're still in the regular season until March. And then if they go all the way, they're playing until April. So they are playing half of the year in both semesters. My semesters in college started in September for the fall, ended in December. Then they started in January and ended in April, May. So they're playing a full calendar year. While they're going to school, they're playing basketball. So how do you tell me that football players who play games in September, October, September, October, November can't extend a little bit more December? They're still only playing football in one semester, not two. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. Dan, you can't do that to the kids. Do what to the kids? It's about making money. They don't care about the kids. They want to make money. And I care about the kids. And I will tell you with utter certainty that if you told UCF they're going to extend the college football playoff because they refuse to put them in the top four, but they will put them in the top eight, UCF's not going to be like, oh, man, I got I got to study while I play. They're going to play the game. They want to go. They want to play. If you told me, if I was a football player right now, and you told me we're going to extend the college football playoff, and I'm one of those teams that they just won't let in. I'm absolutely for it. I'll figure out a way to study because I'm studying, taking tests, doing projects while I'm playing football in the regular. What's the difference? What is the difference? I got to do it during my midterms. Well, he's got, you know, that now they'll have to do, now they'll have to play during their finals. What's the difference? Basketball players have to do it all year long in both semesters. You can't argue that you can't extend the college football season when the college basketball season runs almost a full calendar year and both semesters of the year for student-athletes. How are they different than anybody else? They're 18, 19, 20, 21 years old, trying to have a social life, trying to have relationships, trying to go to class, trying to study, trying to have a job, trying to play their sport. You can't say, well, basketball players don't have to deal with football players. have to. Yeah, okay, it's not as much of a contact sport, but everybody's got to practice. Everybody's got to travel. 
everybody's got to go to games, and basketball players got to play a crap ton more games. So you can't say you can't extend the college football season. You can't say that. Because it makes no logical sense. Because if you're going to, if you can't extend the college football season, then you have to shorten the college basketball season. Because if I'm playing college basketball at Syracuse, I am playing basketball on a court against a different team from October through the end of the fall and then January semester through the end, uh, you know, maybe the end of, maybe the beginning of April. If I am a college basketball player on a great team, I am going to be playing basketball and going to school for all but maybe a month and a half, two months of the year. If I'm a football player, I go, I play games in the fall, I practice in the spring. So why not extend it out and extend the college football playoff since they refuse to let teams in that deserve to be in there? That's how I feel about it. So I somehow got there from talking about the NBA, but what I was trying to say was things are starting earlier. It's creeping up on us a little bit quicker. And, you know, this NBA season, it, it literally snuck up on me. I, and and, and I, it's just, you feel like you're not even prepared. It just sneaks up on, even as a broadcaster, I'm like, the NBA is back. And the Celtics won and the Warriors won, two teams that maybe we'll see in the NBA Finals. I think that w- there's a good chance we'll see them in their respective conference finals. Celtics win 105-87. to 87 over the Philadelphia 76ers. And in this game, we see Ben Simmons in 43 minutes get 19 points. Joel Embiid had 23 points in the game in 37 minutes. Markel Fultz is in the starting lineup with Ben Simmons in this game. He had five points in 24 minutes and two assists. On the other side of things, Jalen Brown for the Celtics had 12 points in 28 minutes. Gordon Hayward, hey, Gordon Hayward's available for the Boston Celtics. 25 minutes for 10 points and five rebounds and four steals in the game. Jason Tatum, 23 points in 29 minutes, nine for 17 shooting, better than 50% from the field. Kyrie Irving had an off night, seven points in 29 minutes, two of 14 from the field, one for eight from three-point range. One for six from inside the three-point line. Coming off the bench, Marcus Morris, 16 points in 21 minutes, seven for 12 from the field, made a couple threes. And one of my favorite names in the biz who came from SMU in the American Athletic Conference, Semi Ojale. He only played one minute in the game, but I just wanted to say Semi Ojale. So that's that's all of the analysis I have for you with Semi Ojale. For these for the Warriors and the Thunder on the Western Conference side of things, the Thunder have Jeremy Grant. Jeremy Grant came off the bench and had seven points in twenty nine minutes, two rebounds, two is two assists, three blocks, and only one foul in the game. The Syracuse former player, Nerlens Noel, who's there now, had three points in twelve minutes off the bench. 
Paul George had 27 points in 37 minutes, 9 for 23 from the field, 4 for 12 from three-point range, which made him 33%. Five assists in the game, four steals, but he had five turnovers. Also in the starting lineup, Patrick Patterson, who came from the Kentucky Wildcats, been in the league for a few years, seven points in 19 minutes, five rebounds, a block, and a steal, one turnover in the game. The man who came from the Pittsburgh Panthers, who I had the opportunity of interviewing, who is very tall, the seven-footer Stephen Adams, who came out of Pittsburgh a few years back, he had 17 points in 36 minutes on the inside, 6 for 12 from the field, which is 50%, 5 for 8 from free throw from the charity stripe, which is better than 50%, and he had 11 rebounds in the game, so a double-double to start off the season for Steven Adams. On the other side of it, for the Warriors, their starting five, Draymond Green does what he does. He got 13 rebounds, 12 on the defensive end, dished out five assists, and had three steals, only two points in 33 minutes, but scoring is not really his game, which is funny... Because when I spoke with Deshante Riley, who grew up playing with Draymond Green, he's like, this guy could score a bunch of points in a game. But now he's not asked to do that. He's asked to he's asked to find guys, and he's asked to grab rebounds and be effective. He did have six turnovers in the game, which was not good. Kevin Durant had 27 points in 38 minutes for the debut of the NBA this season. 9 for 21. He was 0 for 5 from three-point range. Made 9 of 10 of his free throws. Had six assists, eight rebounds. Three turnovers and a block and a steal in the game. Not too shabby. In the starting lineup at center, since they lost JaVale McGee, Damian Jones, the seven-footer, is the center for the team. He had 12 points in 27 minutes, six for seven from the field. Had three rebounds in the game, three block shots in the game as well. Steph Curry had 32 points in 37 minutes, 5 for 9 from three-point range, 5 for 5 from the charity stripe, 11 for 20 from the field. It's how I feel like Jerry McNamara's numbers would be if he was playing. He had 9 assists, 8 rebounds. This is the thing. This guy had 9 assists even though he took 20 shots and had 32 points of his own. He can dish it off and still score 30 points in a game. Steph Curry, hands down, Everybody wants to talk about LeBron James. Steph Curry is one of the greatest players of our generation. And we can have an argument about how great he is comparative to LeBron James. Klay Thompson had 14 points in 35 minutes. He was only 1 for 8 from 3.5 for 20 from the field, which is not good. So that is 20% from the field. He had four rebounds in the game. Off the bench... The Warriors had Jordan Bell, who was coming out of Oregon. And Jordan Bell only played in seven minutes and do much of anything. Uh, Looney had 10 points in 18 minutes and 10 rebounds. So he had a double-double off the bench. So a big shout-out to Kevin Looney, who came from UCLA with the double-double off the bench. And Andre Iguodala, who is timeless, had two points in 10 minutes, had two assists, two rebounds, no turnovers in the game. So... The only person that didn't play on the team for the Warriors was Jacob Evans, who was a first-round draft choice out of the Cincinnati Bearcats of the American Athletic Conference in this year's draft. He's the only player who didn't play based on a coaching decision. So, the Warriors doing what the Warriors do. Steph Curry looking hot as ever from the field. You know, with he's he plays like he's on NBA Jam, and you know I, I got to give it up to Damian Jones on the inside. He, he had some nice numbers 
for being the guy there instead of JaVale McGee right now. So big shout out to him. Kevin Durant had a good night. You know, Draymond Green did what he, you know, does what he does. It's so funny how you can play in 33 minutes and score two points. And then you look and you're like, he had 13 rebounds, 12 of them defensively. He had three steals and five assists in the game. His only blunder were six turnovers. And they won the game by eight points because obviously when you turn the ball over, you make it a lot closer than it needs to be. So that is your NBA debut. That is what's going on in the NBA currently right now. And just to let you know, because, uh, you know, we all have our favorite teams. And I love that Syracuse is such a melting pot in the sense of we have teams from all over the place. Like if you come to Central and Upstate New York, there are people wearing jerseys of pretty much every single team. And that's really awesome. Today, we're going to see the debut of Milwaukee and Charlotte in Charlotte. Uh, Brooklyn and Detroit will make their debut in Detroit. Memphis and Indiana will make their debut in Indiana. Miami and Orlando will make their debut in Orlando. Atlanta and the Knicks will make their debut in New York. Cleveland, without LeBron, who's been a thorn in the side of Toronto, will go to Toronto today without LeBron James. Toronto will not have DeMar DeRozan. Kawhi Leonard will have his debut in the regular season in a game that actually counts toward the record. That'll be tonight, Cleveland at Toronto. The New Orleans Pelicans will be in Houston. Minnesota will be in San Antonio. Utah will be at Sacramento. Dallas will be in Phoenix. And Denver will be visiting the L.A. Clippers. And Then we'll finally get to see Chicago. When Chicago goes up against Philly, we'll finally get to see Washington when they face Miami. And we'll get to see Portland and the Lakers for the first time this season on Thursday, October 18th, when the Lakers travel up the Pacific coastline to visit the Portland Trailblazers for the first time ever with LeBron James wearing the number 23 for the first game that counts on the record books. We will see LeBron James on Thursday on TNT at 10.30 p.m. Eastern time in the first game that he will play on the road. And that's probably a good thing because the home tickets, the season tickets, and the regular single-game tickets have drastically increased since he's gone to the Los Angeles Lakers. So maybe it's good that they don't start at home so Los Angeles fans don't have to worry about how much money they can wait a day or two before they spend $400 for a nosebleed ticket. And the final thing I want to talk about here is the NFL. The NFL is obviously going through changes. The NFL has had a, a lot of not great publicity in recent history. You know, they tried to downplay concussions. They didn't admit until a few years back that concussions could be connected to brain damage, which I thought was common sense. They have had to deal with who gets in trouble and how they get in trouble. When the Patriots had to have a you know when they had penalties for spying on the Jets, they didn't have to rescind their victory. They didn't have to you know take it as a forfeit. And allegedly, all the other tapes and all the other proof of them cheating was allegedly destroyed. Somebody like Adam Pacman Jones was consistently let back into the NFL, but Ray Rice was not. But Greg Hardy was, and then. All these people saw the tape, and the tape was all over the internet. But Roger Goodell claimed that he never saw the Ray Rice tape of him punching his girlfriend at the time. 
and then there was everything that happened from that and stemmed from that and 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 then created the question does the NFL really want to talk out against abuse and domestic violence or are they forced to talk about it now because now they're caught with their tail between their legs and on top of all of that there was the new rules on what's a catch and what's not a catch which pissed fans off because now fans that were hoping for their team to catch the ball and get down the field the team would catch the ball and wins were taken away and nobody knew what was and what wasn't and was it a catch or was it not a catch and then now this year we're dealing with concussions still as we probably always will but on top of all of that you're not allowed to sack a quarterback you know you can't fall. I mean you're allowed to sack a quarterback but you essentially have to wrap him and then throw him to the ground you can't fall on him with most of your body weight or all of your body weight so it's just the NFL I know some people like the NFL where they make a bad decision and 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 the only thing the and their and their reaction to making a bad decision is not fixing it it's making another bad decision do you know people like that cuz i do somebody who makes a bad decision and instead of fixing or repairing or even just facing reality they make another bad decision that's what the nfl seems to be doing it's like we screwed this up and we screwed this up and we screwed this up so let's screw this up it makes absolutely positively no sense and i will tell you that if i'm a defender right now i don't even i don't even know what i'm allowed to do and what i'm not allowed to do so you know something came up recently here uh, on sunday night football Rookie linebacker Breland Speaks was trying to take down Tom Brady, but he was concerned about roughing the passer in the fourth quarter, you know, paying penalties, getting a personal foul. Brady ended up eluding him and ran four yards for a touchdown. And so the NFL football operations chief, Troy Vincent, said, quote, you got to play. You hope that no player is thinking about a rule. You want them to play with a free mind where you're just free and play, end quote. But how is a defensive player supposed to not think about stuff and psych themselves out so much? How are they not supposed to think about it? I'm not in the NFL. I never played professional football. I didn't play collegiate football. And I'm still sitting here going, I would not want to be a defensive player in the NFL right now. I just wouldn't because there's too many rules and the rules only help one side. It's not about, you know, yes, the rules are about protection, but the rules also get also give a an unfair advantage to the quarterback. You know, the quarterback's going to have to wear red pennies on the field because you can't sack them anymore. Or the quarterback's going to have to wear flags and they're going to have to be, you know, you're going to have to rule them down, down by flags because where it stands right now is that a quarterback is going to have more and more and more opportunities to beat you. It is so hard and so underestimated how difficult it is to get to a quarterback. And now when you finally get to the quarterback, you have to stop and think about it. And while you're thinking about it, guys like Tom Brady are running for touchdowns and throwing touchdown passes. Now, the NFL has emphasized this season that they should penalize defenders for landing on quarterbacks with all or most of their body. NFL officials have thrown 59 penalty flags for roughing the passer over the first six games. 59 flags for roughing the passer over the first six games, folks. 59. Or 53, pardon me, 53. 53 flags over the first six games. That is almost nine roughing the passer flags 
per week. There was 38 in six weeks in 2017 and 32 in 2016 in six games. Now, allegedly, the NFL is 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 stating, I guess, some type of progress by saying that the roughing the passer calls are down since the competition committee clarified to game officials the techniques used in such hits. So there there were 34 roughing calls through the first three weeks, and there's been 19 in the last three weeks. So they're saying that they're getting better. Now, Troy Vincent went on to say, quote, if you don't see the complete play, don't call it. That was a directive from the competition committee. That was always the point of emphasis, but after the conference call and after watching the video, the committee and our coaches said, if you don't see the complete play, we ask you that you leave the penalty in your pocket, end quote. Because I understand trying to protect the quarterback. I get that. But if I'm a defensive player right now, there are incentives in contracts on how many sacks you get. There's an incentives in how many tackles you make and forced fumbles you make. There's incentives in all different types of things. Now you're taking money out of my pocket. And if I don't and if I play timid, I might lose my job. If I play timid, my coach might sit me. If I play timid, I might not get a contract. If I play timid, I might be re, my, I might be a free agent and nobody wants to sign me. You are hurting the futures, the presence of these players. You're taking money out of their pocket. You're asking them to not be themselves. And you're, I mean, you're, you're taking, you're taking who they are away from them. And you're taking money away from them. Anybody that's going to try and deliberately knock somebody out and hurt somebody and, and maim somebody or injure somebody, they should not be playing football. They should be in a straitjacket somewhere. They should be talking to some psychiatrist on a couch somewhere if, if they're trying to maim or, you know, really just hurt somebody and just take somebody out, okay? That's not okay. That's not okay. But somebody who is trying to go full force into a quarterback to knock them down and make them fumble the ball, you can't ask them to run at somebody at 10 miles, 20 miles an hour, 300 pounds, and not fall on them. That makes no logical sense. It's almost physically impossible to do it. And I'm telling you that, and I've never been a defensive end or a defensive tackle. So imagine what, what, what the defensive ends and the defensive tackles and the linebackers and the safeties and the corners are saying when I've never been in their shoes and I'm looking at it like this is nearly impossible. It's not even 50-50. I don't even know how many times I've seen somebody take a quarterback down without hitting them. And falling on him. Because if you hit a quarterback and you don't fall on him, he can keep himself up and keep moving. You're giving the quarterback every opportunity to make the play, and you're making it almost completely impossible for any defensive play. I mean, I would liken this to trying to... put a needle through the middle of a piece of grass, essentially. That's what it feels like. So, I I mean, I'm all about safety, safety first. I'm also a realist. 
So there has to be some in-between of those two things or else the NFL is doomed to continue pissing people off and pushing people away. And if I was an offensive player, maybe I'm playing, or if I was a defensive player, maybe I'm switching to offense now. Because, I mean, how, how are you supposed to succeed playing defense in the NFL right now? That I do not know. And with that being said, the, the discussion will continue. And we will continue to talk about awesome things on tomorrow's show. On Thursday, October 18th from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, we'll start the show off with Papa Joe's Picks. We'll talk about college football at 9 a.m. Then we'll get into nine around 9.45 a.m. We will be discussing the basketball world and obviously the ushering in of women's basketball and men's basketball for college for college basketball for this season. And we'll be talking about the NBA with none other than our Katie Kalinske, coaching with class. And in the second hour of the show, we'll get into week seven in the NFL and the Fantasy Football Power Hour with Mike Sofka of Hall of Fame FantasyFootball.com. Proudly brought to you by the Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, and the Penn and Trophy Center in East Syracuse, New York, in their new location on 119 East 2nd Street in East Syracuse, New York. In the meantime, find us on Facebook at Wake Up Call DT, Twitter at Call DT. Instagram at wakeupcall underscore DT and always on wakeupcalldt.com. You can listen into all these shows by going to wakeupcalldt.podbean.com to the archive after they go live. And you can also go to wakeupcalldt.com and click on the RSS feed, the iTunes podcast, the Podbean podcast, or TuneIn Radio to get the shows as well. We make it easy for you, free and easy down the road we go. There's a lot of hard things in life. I figure why not make something a little bit easier for you because we all got hard stuff we got to deal with. I don't want to be one of those things for you. God bless you. Have a great day. I'll talk with you soon and be well.